Hello, welcome to the You Can Try podcast. I'm Penny Wilkin from You Can Coaching and on this podcast I'm going to talk to people who share my passion for swimming, cycling, running and triathlon as well as anything in between. This is episode 48 where I chat with my neighbour and ultra distance runner Liz Farrow. We talk about how on earth you run for 70 hours straight, what it's like to run for 145 miles along the Kent and Avon Canal, as well as her work with exercise and cancer rehab patients and her volunteering with The Good Gym. Welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted this week to be talking to Liz, Liz Farrow, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things about ultra running, cancer rehab, the good gym, and just a whole lot of interesting things about long distance running. Before I go any further, Liz, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your running, what you do for a living, where you live. Just introduce yourself. Cool. So uh, I'm Liz. I'm a mum of two. Um, I have several roles and several hats. So I, um, up until three years ago, was um, an almost full-time primary school teacher. And um, I now do some personal training, some run coaching, uh, some cancer exercise uh, rehab classes. And um, I'm about to start a PhD. So I also do... um, Running from 5k, which isn't my favourite, um, up to ultra running, so that's anything over marathon distance, and um, that's my favourite. Long distance running is definitely uh, my favourite way to keep fit. Cool, so just tell us a bit more about your running. I mean, how did you get into it? What made you get started? How long have you been doing it? Uh, so I think, I forget now, but it's about 10, 11 years, um, my youngest, uh, the youngest of my two was almost one, and I decided that I needed to get fit and do something for me. So I did Couch to 5K um, on my own with a little you know, music going beeping, telling you when you needed to start running. Um, I then built up to do uh, my first 5K, and then from then I did um, you know, 10K half marathon, stayed at half marathon for a while, and then went on to marathons and beyond. And so, yeah, what inspired you to think you could run further than a marathon? You know, lots of people just, like me personally, I've never run further than a marathon. Um, yeah, what made you think you wanted to run further? Um, it, it, it was a real mindset change. So for ages, I stuck at a half marathon distance and joined Northbrook and trained with Northbrook and met people who were training for marathons. And was like, oh, I can never have time to train for a marathon. And then you meet people who do train for marathons and have similar lifestyles to you. You're like, okay, maybe I can do a marathon. So you stick at marathons for a bit enjoy that and then you start talking to people who do further um, and become inspired by going to new places or you know it's, it's a different mindset ultra running it's uh it's yeah it's very different to marathon running but it's very enjoyable so go on tell us a bit about some of the ultras that you've done you know what they're like and also in particular the one that you did a month or so back in july cool so when i was approaching 40 i decided i wanted to do a race called comrades in south africa okay so yeah. that was my first kind of official ultra so that that was like two three years ago is it uh nearly four oh, is no, it? Maybe it is four. Oh. so i yeah something old enough so uh comrades for those of you who don't know they have an up year and a down year and um the year that i would have been 40 was going to be a down year so i decided that you have to do an up year if you're going to do comrades because everyone asks which comrades have you done? So you have to, I wanted to do an up year. So that was 2017, yes, it was four years ago. Um, so that was my first official one. I'd listened to podcasts about it. I'd heard people talk about it. Um, 
and that was an amazing experience um and then from comrades i then so that's so like 86 kilometers and it's like just over 50 miles um mainly uphill which is lovely like like a london marathon kind of experience in south africa in south africa yeah, yeah. and then um came back uh, some of the people that um, i was chatting to were doing a hundred miler so they needed somebody to support them on some of the miles for the 100 miles because you're allowed to have buddy runners. We can talk about that in a bit, don't you? Um, so I supported them. The whole way through was going, this is something that I never, ever want to do. Running to, I, this is never. By the time they... So I helped them on miles 50, 75. By the time they finished um, theirs at 100, I'd come back to meet them again because I had a bit of a sleep and then come back to meet them. And by the time they finished it and I'd seen them and I'd spoken to them, I was like, that is what I want to do. <laughs> They'd gone from never wanting to do it, thinking, actually, I could do that in the space of about eight hours and a bit of sleep. <laughs> so, uh, and that's it. So then I did a 100 miler, the year that I was 40. And then again, talking to somebody who's like, oh, did you know that there's um, a run that goes from Birmingham to, to London on a canal? I think you'd be really good at that. So that then kind of sowed the seed of, of doing um, the slightly longer run. So in 2019, I think it must have been, I did the Grand Union Canal Run, which is 145 miles. Um, I did that, um, and that was a, amazing, but the hardest thing I've ever done. In fact, every race I do, I do say it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, came away from that and found out that they there was also part of the series, one that went from Liverpool to Leeds, that's 133 miles. So the oh, same summer, I can again. Right. The same summer I did that one, uh-huh. um, and then found out, that there was a third one in the series, which I obviously had missed between the two, which is uh, from London to Bristol. So last year, um, I had been set to do all three in a year, but obviously COVID, you know, lots of them cancelled. Um, so this year I decided I was going to focus on doing the one that I hadn't done. So this year, at the end of July, I did uh, 145 miles on, it's called the Kennet and Avon Canal Run, but it takes in uh, a bit of the Thames, um, a bit of the Grand Union, um, and then... Yeah, the Kennet and Avon, um, all the way into Bristol. And so just to be clear for people that don't know, you're not doing this over like a week or three days or anything like that. It's in one go. Yes. Without yeah. stopping in a hotel or a tent overnight, isn't it? It's just yeah. straight through. Yeah, but all of the all the canal ones start at six o'clock in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. Um, so usually... It's a bank holiday weekend, and if it's not, so if it's a bank holiday weekend, it starts on the Saturday at six, and if it's not, I think it's right, it starts on the Friday. So I started in London on the Friday morning at six o'clock, having travelled there the night before. Um, so it's up early, get your breakfast in you, set off at six, and you don't stop until you reach Bristol. It is no sleep till Bristol. That is the, uh... <laughs> and so how long did it take? When did you arrive in Bristol? Uh, it took me 38 and... Um, 38 hours and 40 minutes or something. So it's about 8 o'clock at night. So you arrived, so you set off at 6 o'clock Friday morning mm-hmm. and you arrived 8 o'clock Saturday, Saturday night. evening. Saturday yeah. Night. Okay. So okay. when I'm, when, yeah, it's one of those things that for me, the mental thing, the, when I first did um, Grand Union, I remember setting off and getting to Catherine de Barnes, which is not even 10 miles in yeah. and I'd already blown my mind thinking yeah. about, oh my goodness me, like even this time tomorrow when I'd previously done 100 miles, it had been about 24 hours. Yeah. Even this time tomorrow, I've still got 50 miles to go, which is then running through the day. And I yeah. just, you know, you just get into a bit of a negative yeah. mindset and just thinking, yeah. I put a podcast on, met some friends yeah. um, at the first aid station, and luckily that was it. But there is that bit where you kind of, I can go through 
mentally I think, oh, it's all right to go through one night without sleeping. But all of the second day, I was thinking, I really would like to finish before I have to turn my head torch back on again. That's a, you know, that, well, there's a mental thing of having to turn your head torch back on again and going through another night. I think it would have been really hard. So luckily I finished just before I needed to turn my head torch back on again. So 38 hours. So you just, you don't sleep at all. No. Not even like a cat nap. No, so there are rules. So there, there are um, the way that the canal runs work is you can be supported or unsupported. So if you are, I want to get this right way around. There's one way where you're supported by um, the organisers. So they would take your bags to different aid stations. There's aid stations roughly about every 15 miles where you can, you know, refuel, um, rehydrate, get changed if you need to. So you can have a bag that that meets you at these 15 mile points. Um, or you can have your own crew, and your own crew are then expected to be, somebody's expected to be on the canal at different points um, throughout the run for you. Um, and then you're allowed to have um, a buddy runner with you from either, depending on which run it is, some of them are 80 miles, some of them are 70 miles. So they kind of, they, there are rules again, that they have to be uh, to the side of you or behind you, because they're just your buddy, they're not crewing, yeah, they're not you know, pacing, pacing you. Yeah. Um, and within the rules, there's also if you were if you stopped for more than either thirty minutes or forty minutes, you are deemed to be kind of out of the race. If you did have a power nap, okay, that would be your rule of you'd have to like, sit there within nap, thirty minutes, yeah. nap, and then get back on the Wow, well, I didn't realise that about mm. the canal runs. Okay, so um, right. yeah, and the first time when I did the first canal run, I remember having a point um, mid uh, early morning, probably about four o'clock. Um, and I'd watched a, a documentary about Nikki Spinks doing uh-huh. her double Bob yeah, Graham. Yeah, yeah. And she had a power nap. Yeah, and so that's never, why I was asking, because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen her do it. And I'd never thought of having a power nap. And then, you know, again, your mind starts playing tricks on you and starts going, do you think need a power nap? What a power nap? And, and I'd never thought about it, but it got it in my head. And there was a point, I thought, I'm just going to sit on this bench. And I was like, nah, just keep on going. So I have thought about having power naps, but I think it might be harder to move again if I nap than it would be if I just kept going. So, yeah, no napping. Um, a fair bit of sitting. Sometimes I do kind of, I just need to just sit <laughs> and then have a good sit and then go off. So, yeah. So then, um, so this run that you've done this year, mm-hmm. um, so did you have paces, not paces, you know, support runners with you this time? You know, you've had support runners and you've done it without support mm. runners, you know, how, how does it work? Yeah, so um, when I did Liverpool to Leeds, um, I kind of snuck off for the weekend and did it without telling too many people. So I had just one person that, um, that ended up being two people who um, ran with me um, towards the end. This time, uh, with COVID and rules changing and things, I had planned um, to have some crew runners, but then we had the issues of, um, it was at that point where people needed to self-isolate if they'd been in contact, so we had to change a crew, uh, one of my buddy runners at that point. Um, one of my other buddy runners did get COVID the week before. So again, we had emergency phone calls being made, but I had three people um, that ran with me through the night, which was really lovely wow. on the next day. So it's one of these things that you think sounds, but it doesn't, it's really complicated because you have to think so much, especially this one, because we, I could have, I don't know how much, my geography of this area is a bit rubbish, but I could have somebody running with me from Newbury, which is fairly easy to get to. But then between Newbury and Bath and Bristol, if you want to travel on public transport or some of the roads are really small. So if you want to get from Bristol to Newbury, you have to get 
a train into Reading or into London and then come back out again to Newbury. Right. So the logistics of where my crew were going to be, yeah. who was going to drive who round yeah. as they're leaving Carstep was quite complicated. Yeah, because so. they, so they're going to meet you at a point and then like 20 miles mm. up the, along the canal in one direction. Yeah. And then they've got to get back to where they or to transport or whatever. Yeah, so luckily so it's just so complicated. Yeah, you do you do end up having to like pull on lots of favours. It just has to smile at lots of people very nicely and then give lots of thanks afterwards when you've achieved it. There was a there was a, a point I struggled quite a lot on this one. I think because of the organisation beforehand and my children were still in school and it was at a point where lots of people who knew who children were still in school but then were self isolating and should any of us test positive yeah. Basically, my race would have been over, yeah. um, which was, was fine, but we didn't really definitely know, and I didn't mentally think until, like, the Wednesday or the Thursday. The girls finished on the Wednesday when I did a, a lateral flow test, and they did ones too, that if they had tested positive, the race wouldn't have happened. So it wasn't until, like, the day before that I was like, actually, I'm doing it. And, and, and the mental prep, that I didn't invest in it beforehand because I didn't want to due to fear of it not mm. happening and then the, the letdown of it not happening... I think I struggled quite a lot on this one because I hadn't done the mental prep that I should have done. Do you know, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's interesting that, you know, thinking about the planning and, mm. the, you know, and the processes. So, uh, so you've got these aid stations and maybe you've got support runners and things like that. But, you know, what? how, how do you fuel yourself through all of that? And, yeah, how to stay awake to run through the night? I mean... Again, it's a bit trial and error, so I... I've done, so in my training, I usually go up to about 50 miles. I find that if I go over 50 miles, the impact on my body and how much it takes for me to recover is too much for the, the, like, you know, the training plan to continue um, as I want it to. But I've also found that my feet get to about 100 miles and fall apart. So there's an element of training kind of that side in practicing. So I can't practice getting all of my body ready beforehand, but I can definitely practice with my fuel beforehand. So <laughs> it's very beige. Beige, as, yeah, as a vegetarian, yeah. it's very yeah. beige and um, generally involves uh, corn, sauce, uh, corn sausages, right. um, cheese pasties, yeah. um, cheesy cheesy nibbles, which by the end of the run turn into cheesy dust, and um, like peanuts and just anything kind of salty. I'm kind of right. quite crave that. Yeah. The, uh, the reason why I chuckle about the cheesy dust is um, being very polite. Um, on two two occasions rather than just be eating my snacks myself i felt kind of obliged to offer my buddy runner a snack it's only fair I, you know that whole like, i'd rather not yeah, be eating yeah. and you'd be hungry so. yeah, yeah and then kind of like i'm really sorry but i feel like should offer you like and then bringing out a bag of what was cheesy biscuits that is now turned into some kind of it's traveled 100 miles but i would rather have offered than uh, be seen rude but now the joke is like oh my god who's liz offered her cheesy dust to and then yeah <laughs> so and so you carry all of that stuff with you and you're just nibbling in between yes. feed stations and and, and uh yeah yeah okay. so i kind of pick up stuff usually in my bag uh, <clears throat> sorry at the uh, aid stations i wear my hydration vest so i try and make sure that i've got at least a litre and a half of fluid for the 15 miles that i've finished by the time i get there i use a mixture of tailwind and water um i set a time on my watch so for the first about six hours, it beeps every half hour. Uh-huh. So I have a bit of a walk break, right. have a bit of fuel yeah. so that I know then that I'm regularly taking on yeah. um, food and, and, and liquid. Um, it changes then after six hours. And I just kind of, I, I walk, run a little bit more flexibly, goes down to shorter distances um, and then keep trying to remember to eat. I think once it gets to night time, 
um, it, get, it then goes just a bit pear-shaped of just kind of eating when I can, but definitely then trying to remember to have something at like a meal time. So even on the, the first day, there'll be something that feels like lunch, something that feels like tea, okay. um, something that feels like breakfast. Right. Um, and then I, I have something that felt a bit like lunch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at point, it's a bit shady. Yeah. Well. I think we had, uh, what I, I had a really nice tin of uh, the orange segments. Yeah, yeah, I was going to um, say peaches or something. Just, after, just after Reading. Yeah. <laughs> that was a highlight. Yeah. A very nice aid station by a, a canal pub. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I said, we had um, baked beans. That was quite mm. a nice one. Um, so something just warm. Mm. Quite nice too. And so go on, so you're talking a bit about your training and the mm-hmm. 50 miles and stuff. So yeah, just tell us a bit more about the, your training. I mean, how long does 50 miles take to run? Um, so it's all run walking. Um, it's interesting because quite a lot of the runs that I would do in preparation tend to be more undulating. So it would be walk up the hill um, and then carry on running on the flats and down the hill. Obviously the canals don't have that much hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any bridge, you definitely walk over. Right. Um, but yeah, so kind of try and practice what I did in the run up to, to the longer ones is have kind of a 50, like 250 miles at least, and then have longer um, time on my feet um, runs as well. Um, so it's that bit of, it's that balance of, you know, not too much that you get too tired, um, but also doing enough. Um, I also have been quite lucky in that, um, again, the group of my group of friends also do similar events. So I also get practice at doing one overnight. So I was going to say, yeah, do you practice that? Um, yeah. They're the Thames Path 100 mile race that the past two years um, some of my friends have done and I've um, been their buddy right. for the last 50 miles. Okay. So that generally, you know, we meet in at Henley, which is kind of the 50 mile point, and then kind of go on to Oxford. So that again gives me a chance of being on my feet, um, practicing fueling, practicing going through the night. And so how long does 50 miles take in training as a uh, training run? About... Anywhere, if it was just a 50 miler on its own, yeah. um, about 11 hours. So, um, yeah, I've got one tomorrow. <laughs> Saturday, I've got one Saturday. So. Wow. Um, Where's that then? At the Chiltern Wonderland. Okay. The Centurion one. Okay. So it's um, kind of Oxfordshire. Right. Kind of, okay, yeah. Uh, so off-road. Okay. Yeah. And so then, so you've got your long runs. What what do you do the rest of the week with your trainer? Um, I should do more speed work just to kind of, keep everything ticking over um I generally tend to just do lots of plodding I was quite lucky over lockdown that um one of my friends that lives locally was also um enjoying doing longer distances so we did lots of um long weekend um kind of up to marathon distance maybe a bit longer um just to keep us going um but yeah generally try and run um you know three times in the week and then a longer one at the weekend when I can um again kind of balancing around children work and those things but yeah long runs when I can at the weekend um but even if it's kind of uh, you know two two three hours at the weekend it's kind of enough to okay. keep me going and so if someone was thinking about stepping up to an ultra for the first time mm-hmm. what would be your top tips and do's and don'ts so um there's, there's some good local events that are cropping up. So if you're thinking about going slightly over distance, my first one, when I said about Comrades being like my official one, I did um, a lightning run, so thunder run, um, okay, yeah. which goes on usually in the summer. This was like a, an Easter time one, and it was lapped. So a, a lapped course, you could do as many 10K laps as you wanted to. 
So again, you've got a bit of control over how far you're going. You've always got aid stations quite regularly. They're quite good. Um, so they do one of those at Brighton, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like um, the big bear events yeah, so, do like a sort of, are they on for like six hours and you can go for as long as you want, decide how long you're going to run for. Yeah, so I did a big bear one um, at Coombe which was really good in the, the run up to um, Kennet Maven. So yeah, six hours. I think that was a 5k loop. At the end of each 5k loop, you can get some water, you can get some snacks, which is re- and it was really well organised and it felt really safe. Again, you could do it as far or you know as you wanted to. Um, you see, you know, familiar faces on the way, and that's all. That's one of the positives I think about ultra running is you just get you end up like running or walking at the same speed as somebody else, and by the end of it, yeah. you know, your best friends. Yeah. It's just one of those kind of places. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there's lots of local events. A lap event is really good. Um, do a bit of research beforehand quite often so a lapped event also works well on this one quite often the route might be a little bit complicated lots of them like centurion are really well signposted um it's possible to get the route on your watch beforehand so you can follow it on there um make sure you know sometimes with ultras the start and the finish isn't always in the same place um what's the organization like the systems have buses from the start line or the finish line so you can get back to your car so have a bit of research before that um beforehand um, again, yeah, plan to eat like normal food. Lots of people who've gone for marathon training quite often tend to go for gels. Mm. People can do gels on ultras, that kind of works, but also think about, you know, like I said, you know, I'm a big fan of peanuts and cheese biscuits. Um, just, it's a new mindset. It's okay to walk. You get meet so many runners, don't you, who just say, I don't, but, you know, I walked a bit, so therefore I didn't run it. You're like, no, you did. <laughs> you know, you're on your feet the whole time. It, that's, so walking is fine. It's that bit of like a long, slow running marathon training. You know, you don't want to tie yourself out too much. You want to be able to recover quite quickly. So, yeah, being okay to walk is fine. Um, get the kit. So you don't need loads of kit, but again, if you're going out for a long time on your feet, having a hydration vest, you can get them quite reasonably from Decathlon, um, is great because you can then carry your own water, you can carry your own snacks, you can carry your own... You're out on your feet quite a while, so you might want to take, you know, a jump, you know, an extra layer or yeah. waterproof. Uh, waterproof's, a, a, you know, a key. Um, so quite often, um, you know, you meet people. You find quite interestingly, especially at Canal Run, it says your number and it says your name. So you can then kind of like, even if you don't, you know, properly make friends, and you might be like, oh, I want to see if they finish. So there is that bit of you really invest in the people that you meet. So there's two people that I met and I ran with at the beginning of Kenneth and Avon. Um, and was gutted, like the first thing I did like the next day when everyone was in was to check to see if they'd finished. And it's that bit of you can really invest in the people that you meet on the way. So yeah, make friends um, while you're there. That's where I was going. Yeah, no, I, I think that sounds cool. You know, that kind of appeals to me. When I do an Ironman, right, I get to the burn and, and it, you know, I'm not very good at running and, you know, it's a bit painful and boring and, you know, it goes on for a while. And um, if I uh, focus too much on myself, then it's even worse and I don't enjoy it. So I think, oh, I'm going to start this run and I'm going to chat to people. I'm going to make some friends and I'm going to say hello to the marshals. I'm going to have some conversation with some people. I'm going to make some jokes, right? And you do meet a couple of people that will talk to you. So there was a guy that had a T-shirt on. I don't know, did it say Hogwills 50 and 50 or 50 at 50 or something? So then I had a chat with him and he was really chuffed that I was chatting to him and he was really friendly and he had some interesting stories to tell. But then you try and chat to the next person and you know triathletes. 
they're so in the zone sometimes. I mean, honestly, a lot of them were pretty miserable. I don't know if it's different at different parts of the race, but I did struggle to get anyone to talk to me at, at my race this year. Uh, but so, yeah, yeah, the fact that people are friendly, I mean... I think you need to do an ultra because it was so lovely. Yeah. So, I, you know, the Kenneth Avon was, was long, it was tough. It was really, I think to pick days when it's really hot, all of my runs have ended up being stupidly hot. Um, and it's just horrible. But I remember meeting, there was a chap who I was chatting to, and he said, oh, he was from Bristol. So we talked about the whole, like, oh, you're running home. And then, um, and he said, oh, where, where are you from? And I said, oh, Coventry. And it turned out that he'd never lived in Coventry, but his dad had grown up in Soley Hall, so therefore was a Coventry City fan. Yeah, so okay. him and his dad have season tickets. And come to Co- so when I, he was like, where are you from? And I said, and he was like, oh. And it was just, you just meet people like that. And then, you know, because they're long, they, you know, they go past you again, or you go past them, and you just chat. You know, one of the ladies, um, that came past me kind of early in the morning and she flew past and it was great because she was like, oh, I've been struggling overnight, but like, I really do really well now. And then we got to the end and she'd she come first lady and there's just that bit where there's, it's so much camaraderie. There was no like, oh, you came first lady. and you know, I did. It's like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you because that's amazing because we've all finished. It's like a, a you know, everyone's, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like so invested in everybody else achieving too that it's really lovely when you see people have finished and done well. It's nice. Mm, cool. Well, you might even inspire me to to think about it. You should do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about one of those big bear, big bear, mm. great yeah. bear, big bear, big bear, big bear, big bear events. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Yeah, it was a thought process. Yeah. So I'm getting there. Thinking about it is the first step. So uh, yeah, so moving on just a little bit. So go on, tell us a little bit about the work that you do as a kind of fitness professional, mm-hmm. and in particular, yeah, the work you've been doing with, um, you know, cancers, cancer rehab specialists, and five k your way, and those types of things. Cool. So when I was still teaching, um, I had done my LERF and my so that's leader in women fitness and my coach in women fitness courses, um, and I qualified. And then one of my really good friends um, was diagnosed with cancer um at just before 40 and um we were you know we were chatting about keeping fit and things and she's like I don't know what I can do like how do I find out what I can do who knows what I can do and at that point obviously I didn't know what she could do but I looked into it and so you can become um a cancer and exercise specialist and you can then adapt the training um and prescribe exercise based on um you know the individual and, and diagnosis and treatment so uh, over about two years I did um my gym instructor course my PT course and then um, did the Canton exercise referral. You have to do a, first of all, uh, exercise and health referral, and then you can specialise to do Canton exercise referral. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of people who, you know, the statistics now, you know, that one in two of us will receive a cancer diagnosis at some point in our lifetime. There's a lot of people who, who, are, who are just interested in what's safe to do, what can they do, how can they adapt it based on their, you know, treatment plan or um, how the diagnosis has gone? Um, so I find it really interesting because it's, it's you know, it's growing field. It's it's at the minute there's lots of research that's gone on and it's still going on about trying to get it so that um, it's freely and widely available for people who've had cancer treatment to then go into an exercise pathway because that's not fully established um, at the minute. Um, so I've been doing some work uh, with a trial at Southampton um, University Hospital um, where I've been doing some one-to-one personal training sessions with people who are at different points in their cancer diagnosis, which again is amazing because it's just a- enabling people and no- uh, quite a lot of, of times 
conversations we've had is I don't know what to, what to say to do Liz I don't know what I can do like my body's let me down how how can I do things safely um and just you know adapting the exercises and then progressing you know it's, it's understanding that you know the cancer treatment doesn't stop you exercising but you just need to to be more reflective or more adaptive of the exercise that you're going to do um so that's going to be a general interest of mine anyway um and then I saw that there was a charity called uh, Move, um, which is all about getting, getting it starts off with um, younger adults um, and anybody who has had um, a cancer diagnosis and again, sharing information about moving safely. Um, and they started 5K Your Way, which is a monthly, last Saturday of the month, um, community um to go to run at a parkrun near you. So they're not at all parkruns yet, um, but myself, uh, Zelda and my mum are the ambassadors for uh, Coventry 5K Your Weight. So it's just encouraging people who have been affected by cancer. It could be you know, somebody in your family's had cancer. It could be part of your job is treating somebody with cancer. But it's for anybody to, to come along and run, run, walk, volunteer, just come for coffee afterwards and just, you know, build a bit of a supportive community, um, getting people out and about and exercising. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's cool, yeah. And, I mean, what do you think are the benefits of people experiencing cancer to take exercise? Um, so there's lots of research that, that's looked into, um, you know, helping with you know, some of the, the side effects of treatment, so fatigue, um, muscle loss, um, you know, bone density being affected. So exercise itself does does have positive impacts on those kind of things. Um, just getting out and being with people as well, the, the positive mental health benefits for, yeah, yeah. especially, you know, now people are very isolated um, yeah. post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, there's lots of research that does say that, you know, exercise is, is, is good for everybody and it's then make, finding ways that we can encourage everybody to still be able to be physically active. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I um, sort of realised a bit was that sometimes when somebody's having some treatment or a little bit ill, um, you know, our sort of cultural expectation is, you know, it's a bit like being pregnant, isn't it? Oh, you know, sit down or you can't possibly do anything or, you know, you're ill, you can't possibly go running or take any exercise or whatever. But actually, sometimes you can do a lot more than you realise. And obviously, if you're having treatment and you're not well, you've got to take lots of things into consideration so that you don't hurt yourself or make yourself more ill but you can often do more than you realize you know and it's like even if you're not having treatment sometimes you feel better when you've had a walk or taken some exercise isn't it and it's a little bit the same sometimes you know it it gives you energy doesn't it in Mm. some ways yeah I mean so I did my course through um can rehab who are um very influential in trying to spread the message about yeah we don't need to wrap everyone up in cotton wool actually yeah it's all right for people to exercise still. yeah so if if you've always done exercise yeah having a cancer diagnosis doesn't mean stopping everything yeah it does though mean reflecting yeah and adapting and yeah. thinking and one of the yeah. things that we um encourage quite a lot is the whole um especially through treatment but you know it works it's the same for everybody just keeping an eye on how you feel like the day or two after you've done something and if like two days later, everything's still aching. Well, then maybe that was too much the next time. Don't do that much, but you can still do something, just not that much. And actually two days later, if you felt absolutely fine, brilliant. That, that's fine. We can yeah. still, like you say, it's that bit of knowing how to do it safely, knowing what's right for the person. Um, 
and yeah, just making sure that kind of the steps that you're taking are the sensible, safe steps. And I guess it's also being around people that kind of are going to encourage it and are also doing it to help you to get back to it or to even think of it, isn't it? I mean, you know, like you said earlier, you can get a bit isolated mm. if you're experiencing cancer, can't you? So just being around other people who understand and uh, know what exercise is all about. Yeah, and it's that bit, isn't it, kind of knowing that you're getting the right advice. Yeah. Um, and which is why the trial that I've been doing has been really lovely to be involved in that as a you know, personal trainer. Um because you get to see somebody for kind of almost six months the trial has, has gone on for that I have the session with somebody and you can really see the difference of and you know just even if you're just like another person that isn't somebody that's in their family that's talking to them and that's exercising with them and you know and I know that actually when you're exercising with people it's great just sometimes you can chat, say nothing sometimes you can say loads of stuff sometimes you know and you just have that understanding that it's all right to just, you know, chat and exercise and it does make people feel better, doesn't it? And yeah, make yeah, friends yeah. No, no, for sure. And it. I think that's quite an, um, a good little segue. I mean, um, I asked around for people if anyone had any questions for you. And so, you know, one of the questions from Zelda, who's been on the podcast, who's, you know, one of our, you know, running friends, uh, was saying about how you get people to set goals especially when their, you know, long-term future might be a bit uncertain because of a cancer diagnosis, you know, how, what do you do to support people in that situation? Yeah, so part of um, the training that I've done is all about kind of, you know, the healthier conversation skill training, listening, asking people lots of open questions, so that kind of, what's important for you? Because unless it's important for somebody, it's going to be really hard to motivate them, isn't it? So, you know, even if it's, short-term goal that we can then achieve and then we can look at the next short-term goal it's all that bit of talk sitting down chatting finding what people want to achieve and working out ways that they can do it so, you know if it's think about having a healthier it might not be exercise related at, at first it might just be getting some routine in the day or it might be having healthier meals but looking at what goals are important for that person at that point and then make it very individual and getting them to almost Kind of help you know they they plan the goals with you you don't dictate the goals yeah, and then yeah. they become personal they become achievable um and yet just and, and, you know there are times when it is uncertain but sometimes having a goal just helps it have a different focus for, for a little bit of time too yeah yeah no i mean i think the thing i also think is really important is and so the thing is like people like me and you we're often very goal oriented right you want to run the 130 mile can I run and or the Ironman or you want to run your 5k faster or whatever uh, but you actually lose sight of the fact that you enjoy running as mm. well or or exercise for the sake of feeling better isn't it so it is a bit about being more mindful about what it actually does for you in the moment or on the day that you've done it mm. and it's, it's been interesting on the, you know with, with some of the, the people I've been working with recently and some of the goals have been really personal, but then when they're achieved, they mean so much more. That you know, if it's a goal to walk up a hill that you you keep walking up, but you're out of breath, yeah. and you want to get to the top of it without being out of breath. That's an important. That's an important goal. Yeah, if it yeah. can help you achieve that goal, yeah, then that's brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, it means yeah. just as much. Yeah, as some of those bigger goals yeah. that you mentioned, that or you know, other kinds yeah, of yeah. goals that people probably yeah, yeah. have too probably more life-changing as well mm, more impact on your day-to-day life isn't it that yeah. type of thing um so go on tell us a little bit more about the research that you're about to start doing mm-hmm. so i'm starting a phd at the beginning of next month which is really exciting so um as you know we've mentioned briefly at the start my background is working with children as a teacher 
Um, I'm excited um, about helping people who have been affected by cancer. Um, and um, so my, my PhD is looking at the impact of a physical activity intervention on families where a child has gone through cancer treatment and looking at improving quality of life. So we've talked about the mental health benefits already um, of just being more active. So, um, and also the physical activity levels. So it's really exciting. I'm starting doing a little bit of pre-reading at the minute and kind of finding out what other people have done in this area. Um, but yeah, so definitely, there's definitely a lot more research that's going on at the minute into cancer and exercise generally. Um, but it's good to, to focus on children and a family, which is quite important to me too. How exciting. So will you be visiting families or in schools or where will you be doing your research? Um, I'm not too sure at the minute. So I've got a lot of the reading to do beforehand. I think there'll be some focus groups um, to try and talk to families um, who have gone through having a child go through treatment um, just to find out from them because, you know, you need to find out from families what they need, what would have helped them. Um, so I think that's my first port of call is to kind of just go out and talk to families, kind of maybe approaching through hospitals, you know, seeing what pathways your hospitals have got to kind of share the information. Um, yeah, to talk to more families that have been affected by cancer and just see how we can, what, you know, what the, the gap is, what they need. Mm. Support-wise. No, good. No, it sounds like really valuable, really mm. important research. And I bet you're dead excited to get studying again. I am. I've got my safety and everything. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So, uh, taking us on to the another bit of your life is the good gym. Mm-hmm. So, I know a little bit about it, but I bet lots of people don't. I mentioned to my husband that we were going to be talking, and he had never heard of the good gym. So, tell us all about what it is, where it happens, what your role in it is. Cool. So, good gym um, is a national organisation, and we are one of the, I think it's now 53 or something, uh, groups that there are in the UK. Predominantly started around London, so there's 20 around London. Uh, we were group number 49, so in and around the local area, there is Coventry Good Gym, there's Warwick and Edmonton Spa Good Gym, there's a Solihull Good Gym, and there's a Birmingham Good Gym. So that's, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. Um, there's three parts to it. So there are missions, which is where people are matched up on a six-monthly minimum um, to go and be paired up with an uh, isolated um, older person who... They would then go and run and visit, and, and that would be kind of encouraging, doing good and getting fit. That's kind of the message behind all of the good gym um, activities. There are missions, uh, no, mission. there are, that's a coach run, sorry. There are missions where you would go and help somebody. So say somebody needed to come out of hospital, but they can't because their bed's upstairs and needs to come downstairs. But who whose remit is it to move the beds? It's, you know, is that a bit of a, could family do it? And if family can't, then... They can be referred, and Good Gym could come and do that. So we've done kind of rearranging furniture. So there's somebody who whose garden is really overgrown, but they have no family that's locally that they can do it. And they're a nice place older person. Again, they can be referred, and we can go and do their gardens. We've done that before. And then there are group runs, which is what I'm responsible for leading, which is a um, a, a run. So we now meet in town um, at the Country Boys and Girls Club. We run out to an activity, so the longest we'll run out is about five kilometres. We then would do an activity, um, and then we would run back. So the activities would be things like we've done stock takes, we've done organising of boxes. This week we're um, closing Coventry, sorting out a load of shoes that needed to be sorted out into pairs and into sizes, and then stacking them in the warehouse. And then on the way back to the... um, 
boys and girls club we do a fitness session of some sort so like either hills or we do some strength workouts um so it's all about doing good and getting fit and it's you know, supporting charities and organizations and it's great because it's like with any in running club you again become a community you feel good because you're helping other people that that need help you're also feeling good because you're exercising you're making friends you know it's good that so pre-covid we were getting about 15 to 20 people that were turning up so you would even if you were turning up and you know you'd be there supporting the organization for anywhere between like 45 minutes about half an hour um and actually 20 people or even 15 people uh times an hour it's like two or three days work for for a charity and one person isn't it so you could really come in and really help blitz an area or do something so um it's good it's a it's, it's a, a highlight of a week actually it's it's been nice and how good do you have to be at running to join in well so it's quite nice so we have uh, we also have a back marker so okay. um no one's ever kind of left on their own yeah we've had quite a few people who've joined being not runners at all and because we list beforehand how far we run so we'd never run more than 5k to get somewhere so there'd be a break and then the 5k back quite often it's um kind of two three kilometers to get there but we can do walk running it's basically it adapts based on the needs yeah. of the group so uh-huh. there might be if there are people that are faster they would do a longer way round, yeah. or they would kind of come back yeah. on some loops um but yeah it's been nice to see um that yeah we have had some people who've come as complete or i could run a little bit or i've run a little bit on a treadmill um and then confidently doing 5ks to get to tasks and stuff so it's good so you have the weekly run, is it every week? Yes, every Tuesday at the minute. In a group. But then people also do missions, did you say, as individual runners on yeah. their own? They get paired with someone yeah. or something. If people didn't want to do the group run, then they could um, just be, be paired up with a coach um, and be paired up with one person, or they could do the one-off tasks and the okay. missions and the community missions, um, which then are a bit more flexible, so there'll be a, a bit of a check. You have to go through DBS check and then some training because obviously okay. you're dealing with one-to-one yeah. possibly yeah, yeah. in someone's garden or someone's house uh-huh. um so yes yeah, so those are quite often those the the missions are in pairs so you okay. can again you can run with somebody else together okay. or you can meet up there okay um, so yeah so you don't have to do the group and there are the other ways okay. to, to get involved so god tell us a bit more about the details then so the good gym how would somebody get involved so what did you say it was on Tuesday evenings? Yeah, so we meet at quarter past six uh, outside the Coventry Girls and Boys Club. And Which is in town. town. Yeah, it's in town by, um, on the corner where the Campbell used to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been for a long time. Yeah. Um, but on that funny crossroads um, yeah. at the bottom of town by Ellen, the Ellen Terry building um, yeah. by the university. Um, and you can have a look at what we're doing by looking at www.goodgym.org. And it lists there, you can search what's going on in my area and you can sign up there. So you need to sign up beforehand. Um, at the moment, if we're doing, um, obviously, gardening tasks and things, people are expected to be in their own gloves. Um, if we're doing an inside task, we're asking for masks at the minute. Um, we are um, <laughs> looking at going out. Obviously, more now it's dark. So if people are going to come at night time, they're not going to bring a head torch or making sure they're high vis. Um, but yeah, just sign up and you can come along on a Tuesday. And meet all my lovely friends. Ah, how cool! And and so and there's good gyms all over the country mm-hmm. as well. So if you're not local to Coventry, then just look yeah. back and see where your nearest one is. Yeah. Cool. So we're just coming to the end of my list of questions. So before we go, um, I want to know what's been your favourite ultra so far and why. 
And also, yeah, if you've got a bucket list of running events, races or adventures or something for the future, what is the one thing that you would dream of doing that's on your bucket list? Oh, it's a favourite race. It's a bit of a tie. Um, so come race, just because it was so amazing. And the yeah. people that I met, so I've met yeah. Zelda, yeah, all the yeah. friends that I've met, so people that I met kind of through training and then met in real life at the race and then have met up again since. I think you just make bonds with people, don't you, at, at races like that. Um, Grand Union, when I did that, that also has to be one of my favourite races just because it had everybody. <laughs> That's really, really weird. But everybody who was really important to me, I saw at some point on that race. Okay. Because it, it, it either they were crew or they were buddies or they just came to say hello. Um, it just had, you know, you kind of think, of like, who would I like to see? All yeah, those yeah. people were there. Uh-huh. One of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's interesting, right? Because a special race, from what you've just said there, is more about the race, it's more about the people that were there mm. at, at the race rather than the actual yeah. running and distance. But yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, go on. Um, and your bucket list. Bucket list. I think Western States is on okay. there just yeah. because of the whole, like, it's yeah, Western yeah. States, it's yeah. impossible to get into. Yeah. It just is iconic, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's, yeah, yeah. Have you got to be fast? Have you got to set a time to get into Western States? No, it's more. Um, you've got to have done the the races to get points. Okay. So you need to have certain Western States qualifying races to then get into the the, the pulling out of the hats. Okay. Um, and Western States is going to tell because people won't know. So yeah, it so is. it's a hundred mile race in America. It goes through you know up mountains, through rivers. It's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a hard race. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I think again, we've mentioned Zelda. So she talked about other races that were in South Africa. So the idea of going over again to do Comrades again would definitely be on a bucket list. Going to do uh, Two Oceans Two Oceans would also yeah. be on a bucket list because that looks yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, the whole Marathon de Salle thing doesn't, I think it's just running through sand. Just, I don't know, that's never really kind of, um, appealed, but yeah, Western States and then um, yeah, Comrades again. And this time you do a down because you've done up, or you're not bothered. Well, I'd like to do a down, but then it's funny because you again you, you meet people. So I was talking to somebody at a race that is not long ago um, who had a Comrades hat on. You get a cap as part of your race pack, and then um, and he was very dismissive of the fact that I hadn't done Comrades because I hadn't done an up followed by a down or a down followed by up. So he was like, "You haven't even finished it." <laughs> Like, well, maybe we need to go back and do Comrades twice and up and down. One year after the other. Because yeah. <laughs> then you get another medal. For doing you, that, you get, so you get uh, like a special medal because mm. you've done that. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Well, brilliant. Thanks very much for coming. It's been, um, yeah, really fun talking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's it, folks. That's the end of the podcast. I hope you found some of that useful and maybe it inspired you to think about take on a new running, swimming or triathlon goal. If you're not sure about how to get started, then do get in touch to find out how my technique coaching or my training programs could help. You can get in touch or find out more details at www.youcancoaching.co.uk. 